is JudoCast. We go to the mat and beyond with some of the most prominent minds in judo. Please welcome your host, a two-time Pan American champion, entrepreneur, and judo enthusiast, Chuck Jefferson. Our next guest is Mr. Vlad Marinescu, who's the Chief Media and Marketing Officer for the International Judo Federation. As a graduate of the Army Navy Academy in Carlsbad, California, he went on to earn a finance degree from Oxford Brook University in England. After his graduation, he found himself in Budapest working for Marius Wieser, who was then heading up the European Judo Union. When Mr. Wieser became the IGF president, Vlad began to take on much larger projects including the successful endeavor of getting judo broadcasted in over 130 countries. This was made possible with the creation of the World Judo Tour in 2009. He has played a huge role in the creation of many of the IJF digital assets that we all enjoy, including the judo-based website, as well as the organization of more than 70,000 judo videos. He and his team have created some of the best marketing videos you've seen, including the series I Am Judo, Judo for the World, and Judo Values for Life. In today's discussion, Vlad will share his passion for judo, along with the importance of relaying the message of Dr. Jigoro Kano to present judo to the world as an educational tool to help create better people that will make a positive contribution to society. Please welcome one of the finest spokesmen for the art of judo, Mr. Vlad Marinescu. Vlad, thank you very much for joining me today. It's a, a pleasure. I know you're super busy with all the things going on. I mean, I think you're um, about 10 days out from the Budapest Grand Slam, which is, I'm sure, quite the adventure putting this together with all the COVID and all the things going on around the world. But um, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, so um, maybe we can start off with a little bit of background and you know how you got involved with the IJF. And um, I understand that you are a part-time... Uh, resident of the United States. So a lot of people, a lot of listeners around the world probably don't know that you actually live in California part-time. Uh, can you tell us about your uh, background a little bit? Absolutely. So, you know, I was born walking into the dojo and my father is one of the godfathers of martial arts in Romania with karate and judo and jujitsu. So I, I started with uh, karate at the age of three. I'm seven times American champion at karate. I did also judo and jiu-jitsu, so I'm coming from that kind of family and that kind of life. And I grew up in California. I went to Army Carlsbad. And after I finished military school, what does every military school graduate do? You go either to the Army or you go somewhere else. And I decided to go to Budapest, Hungary to study, to study business and finance. And during that time, uh, I had the chance to start working with Marius Wieser, the then president of the European Judo Union. So we were working for the European Judo Union. I started doing the uh, basic tasks of the secretary, translations, organization of different correspondence, and then step-by-step -step event organization. The European Judo Championships in Belgrade in 2004 or 5 was my first major event. And uh, following the period of Mr. Beezer's election to the International Judo Federation in 2007, I worked full-time as assistant to the president. Uh, which was probably one of the most difficult moments of my life, but at the same time, one of the most beautiful moments of my life to see judo evolve and develop at the same time as I had the chance to develop myself in my professional sporting uh, career in college. 
Yeah, I think that time period that you're discussing, that was kind of the end of my competitive career. I retired from competitive judo in 2008. And, you know, I'm always talking with a lot of my friends and, you know, colleagues and stuff in the judo community about the big changes that happened with the IJF and how the the world of judo was really professionalized pretty much from the time I retired, where the organization of the Grand Prix and the Grand Slams, the World Cups all really started to take off. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the those challenges that you encountered during those times? Well, I'm super sorry that you got to miss out on the prize money. Right. I know that many of my <laughs> friends and our colleagues that, that did judo before the 2009 launching of the World Judo Tour are all very bummed out and very jealous about the new judoka today who actually can do judo nonstop and have a living out of, out of doing judo. Right. So in 2009, Mr. Beezer became president of the International Judo Federation in Rio de Janeiro in 2007 World Championships. And that was the first World Championships that I was involved in organizing which was the beginning of understanding that one event every second year was not enough. Right. And there's no way to grow an international sport with one world championship every second year and Olympic Games every fourth year. It's like you appear on the map and you disappear for the next couple of years. There's no consistency and there's no motivation, I think, for the national teams to build up talent and dedicate time and energy to actually becoming Grand Slam champion, World Masters champion, getting ranking list points. So... Mr. Wieser had the idea to launch the World Judo Tour. So from one event every second year in 2007, we had 12 events in 2009 following the Beijing Olympic Games. Right. And I got to be honest, organizing 12 events in 12 different countries with 12 new organizing committees was, it was just pretty hard. It, was, it wasn't easy. Were you on the ground at each one of these events? I was on the ground at each event. I traveled, I think, in 2009, probably 250 days a year. Wow. So 2009 to 2015 non-stop traveling from event to event. So what we did was, first of all, organizing the Grand Slam, the Grand Prix, and the World Masters, making the World Judo Tour, making world ranking list points, which made the, the list be that when you want to go to the Olympic Games, so if you went to the Beijing Games, you went to depend on the results of the World Championships before and the Continental Championships. Right. When you were qualified for the London Olympic Games, you had to go depending on the world ranking list. So that meant that you had at the Olympic Games the best of the best athletes representing the countries, introducing prize money. And I think one of the most difficult and happy achievements in my life was working on the TV runs. So when, when we started the project, judo was broadcasted in five countries, Japan and live, and four countries in delay, Korea, France, Russia, and Brazil. And that was it. There was no more broadcasting anywhere else in the world. So we took the TV strategy in-house, and with the IGF TV team, we managed to today reach 190 countries that broadcast judo. The moment that they started to see themselves at home and the moment that the broadcasting was showing their achievements where they were going to judo events, immediately sponsors jumped on board, partners jumped on board, national federations got support, and that's how judo started to become a self-sustainable model for supporting athletes. So is there, I mean, obviously there's a significant amount of revenue coming in for the IJF through the TV rights. Is that the most significant revenue stream for you guys at this point? 100%. So the TV revenue, the TV revenue is accounting for more than 50%. The rest is coming from different sponsorship deals around the judo events and the big events. But I'm very happy to tell you that from the revenue that the IJF does make, the IJF is supporting the judo and schools programs, judo development, donating tatami and judo around the world as well as coaches. So we have Judo in schools in more than 60 countries around the world where actually judo is a compulsory 
school, uh, compulsory course in school. Right. With regarding the development programs, we actually go for refugees, different refugee camps around the world. We send coaches and we send tatami and we build judo gis. Uh, sorry, build judo tatamis and build judo dojos so that the kids that are there with troubles can learn judo and benefit. I've, I've been following a little bit with uh, is uh, Ruben Hoax in in uh, the Netherlands, who's been pretty involved. I don't know if he was one of the original, you know, judo in schools program designers or. Absolutely. The chairman of our children's commission. Have you guys seen a lot of success with like, I mean, what's the, what's the end goal with the judo in schools program? Are you trying to increase membership in each of the governing bodies or what's the goal? The idea is that, you know, this very well, judo is a sport, but judo is an educational system. So I am the person I am today because I've done martial arts my whole life. It's, it's built my self-confidence and it's built my loyalty, my respect, my honor, all the values that go with learning judo, the philosophical side of judo, the art side. We believe that by teaching kids at a young age in high school, the values of judo, as well as the physical attributes of judo, we make them stronger citizens of the future. The long-term target is to show that to the local governments around the world so that local government can support and finance judo to be in schools as a required course for the fundamental development of the youth in those countries. And I can give you an example of that. In Hungary, for example, we started working on judo in schools. We started here with supporting 10 schools to start the program. Today, there are more than 100 schools and the government is supporting this program completely because they see the change in the grades and the attitude of the, of the kids that are going through the program. Yeah, I know you guys have also started a few pilot programs, I believe, here in the United States, possibly Florida. And I don't know if there's something that you guys have started going with. Um, you know, for me, I, I've been using this podcast a lot to kind of focus on 2028 because I feel like 2028 is a is a really vital time for judo in the United States. And I, I feel like it's our chance to really put us on the radar internationally and, and do something big for the sport. And I think without 2028, you know, judo is struggling in the United States in many ways. And I just want to really kind of get people motivated and excited to do big things. Have you guys have any plans for the judo school program in the United States right now? At the moment, I can tell you that we support USA Judo to install the program in different courses in different schools in different cities. I challenge you and ourselves and the Federation and all the judo community today that we together need to grow judo in the United States to be able to add the support of local government to understand the benefit of teaching judo and to have in 2028 Team USA, which is able and fitting to represent our country. Wait, games are coming to Los Angeles. Right. If you remember the history and you remember the history, how was California as a judo state 30 years ago? It was next to New York, the most developed judo state. Right. Talk about universities. It was the only place to be. So I, I truly believe that we need to work on it. And it's got to be top priority. Once we finish Tokyo Games, we concentrate effort hand in hand to find a way that we can show to the American people as well as to the American government that judo isn't just a sport for fun. It's a sport to educate the youth for a good future, a strong future, and a healthy future. Right. I, I think you're right that we have to get involved now. I mean, because we do have eight years and selling it to the government is important because this is the difference, I think, between the United States and Europe and, and Asia, to be honest with you, is that we don't have the same kind of government supports. I know there's a lot of countries that have successful judo programs, whether some of these athletes are representing police departments or military programs or, you know, some of the, you know, in France, I know there's a lot of municipality support. So we're kind of lacking in all of those ways, but I think there has to be a little bit of a different aim when we go after the American judo program because we don't have that government support. I think we need to start focusing more on a professional level. We have more martial arts competition in California 
than I think most other, you know, countries do as far as what judo is competing with. You know, I try to compare the American judo model to maybe France. You know, France obviously has a huge number of judoka, but they kind of have a, a monopoly on martial arts in some ways. I know that MMA was just finally legalized in France. It's, it's going to be a little bit of competition for judo. I think it's going to be, you know, judo is going to have to figure out how to work around that. And I think that's an advantage that judo in the United States has over some of its European counterparts is that we've been encountering this competition from day one. You know, we've always been forced to try to raise our own money, whether it's a nonprofit or a professional school, we don't really have people throwing money at us. You know, even our nonprofit dojos have to find out how to earn their own money. And we've kind of been doing that. And in some ways that's been good, but we obviously are struggling and missing that connection to the government to support, like you're saying, the, the judo in schools program. And I think that's a vital piece. I think you're 100% correct. 1 million percent correct, actually. You know, the reality for me is that in the United States, you have a very specific sporting model. So you have the professional sports, big leagues, the NBA, the NFL, the Major League Baseball, Hockey League. You have the big leagues that generate a lot of revenue from the TV rights of the people watching and the professional teams. Those are all professional sports. And they have, they have this ability in order to finalize, finance college university sports as well as the entire chain from the parent wanting the kid to have a scholarship in college all the way to maybe watching the event, betting on the event, an entire ecosystem around the professional sport. Judo doesn't have that at the moment in the United States. Right. I'm sure that there's something we can develop there. But as you said, there's huge competition with the other martial arts. I think that the, the unique aspect of judo is that judo is not a sport for playing sports. It's a sport for teaching kids how to be good humans and how to live a good life. And if we can get that message across, I'm sure that we can have the support of various different charities, foundations, local government, different stipends that can activate it. We just have to know how we're selling judo. And that's something that the International Judo Federation is ready to work hand in hand with with USA Judo and with the rest of the serious people in America. I mean, you, you have in the United States, you have Mike Swain, you have Jimmy Pedro, you have these legends of judo that, that know what judo is and can further sell judo and, and have a following. I think if we can find a way to support these people and the people around them, which are the legends of judo in the United States, then we're able to activate funding for the sport itself. And by making judo cool, right. and by making judo something that is anti-bullying and educational and having the support of the parents, that'll be the key. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's no parent in the world that wants their kid get, to get punched in the face. Right. And I'm pretty sure that there's every parent in the world that wants their kid to, to learn how to fall, not get hurt, and get back up. For sure. So it's just a matter of marketing and perspective and how we can unite everybody together. Because it seems that when we want to achieve an objective as in anything in life, if we don't align everybody in the U.S., who has a history, who has a legend, who has who has done something for judo in one direction. 2028, we're going to field 14 people for Team USA that will represent the country, right? And there will be 300 million Americans cheering them on that know them. Right. That has to be the target. How do we get there? That's, that's a job we have to do together. Yeah, so I think improving the message is the key of what you're talking about. And it's something that I've been you know, working on as a, a judo professional. I've spent the last you know 10 years since my retirement from competitive judo of building a judo club. And the message is, is the same all across the board. You know, whether I'm trying to sell judo to a five-year-old or the parents, the way you have discussions with people, you know, educating people on what judo is, just like you said a few minutes ago, 
as simple as you made it sound, I think a lot of people out there are not good at articulating the benefits of judo. You know, we all love judo so much, but I think we all fail in some way to really get that message across, whether it's on a one-on-one conversation or from a, a bigger scale, from a marketing standpoint, things that you work on, you know, in the world of judo. I think the reason why is because we love judo so much that it's hard to simplify it. Right. It, it's hard to make it in one sentence. For sure. But the sentence has to be super simple, super easy. And, and I really, I look forward and I challenge everybody who is in the United States ready to work on this. Once Tokyo is over, we need to work on this. We need to have Team USA in 2028 represented with people that are known, followed, loved by a younger generation. Yeah, well, we have a challenge in front of us. And I mean, I, myself, and I know there's a lot of other people out there that are excited to you know try to some, make something big happen. And and I'll do my part to try to, uh, you know, gather the troops and get things moving. Because, I, you know, I, I grew up in Southern California myself, and, and judo has a very strong community in Southern California. I think that they have the right people that can make things happen with, you know, the, the right advice and the right uh, leadership. I think that we can do big things. So hopefully in eight years from now, judo as a whole in this country is, is in a lot better place than it is today. And we'll see where that goes. We're going to celebrate together. For sure. So, um, from a world standpoint, I know this is part of the hard problem with selling judo is that, you know, guys like you, they're, that are doing marketing for the IJF. It's easy to sit back in the United States and, and make complaints or make, uh, you know, observations of like, oh, here's what they should do. But people forget that you're talking about, you know, dealing with 180 different languages and, and dealing with cultures all over the world. And everyone has an idea of how to promote the sport. How do you take that challenge and, you know, from a marketing standpoint, do you have to kind of cut the world apart into different pieces to figure out how you're going to build judo in different areas? Or is there, obviously this message that you're getting across is pretty universal, but you, you must have challenges when it comes to promoting judo in different cultures around the world. The interesting thing is that we are, we are a huge, diverse planet and people in every country are different, speaking different languages with different roots, different cultures, different religions, different everything. Judo seems to be the one uniting force behind our entire community. I mean, we're talking about over 50 million people around the world that do judo plus their families. We're a huge community. And I see it everywhere I go. Budapest, we have 600 athletes from 81 countries coming here with the coronavirus here. Can you imagine that? And these people can't wait to meet their friends and can't wait to just say hi to people they don't speak the language of. Right. But they speak the language of judo. Once they bow, once they look at their their competitors, and after when they when they shake their hand and they they have respect towards their competitors, their friends, and judo unites. So when we talk about complex marketing, of course, we can go into details of scientific marketing and efficient marketing for the point of view of customizing your message for your client audience, and your, of course your client audience for selling judo for kids or for parents or who you're speaking to changes. But the voice of the message has to be Professor Jigoro Kano. If we can speak in his tone, with his accentuations and his ideology of giving judo to the world as a sport and educational system to develop humans into good people, I think we can communicate with every country and in every language equally. Right. I think that, uh, you know, the world stands by you right now for sure. I mean, you guys have a task in front of you trying to get this event going in 10 days from now. And all of us that, uh, you know, people like me that I consider just a, a, a huge fan of judo, like we're super excited that that, hey, judo's back, you know, and I hope that it's a big success. You guys obviously have a lot of small details that you guys are working on right now, and I'm sure the teams are scrambling to make sure that safety is number one, but 
the fact that, you know, we're going for it, judo is going to be back in action. I hope it's a huge success so we can kind of move on and make the qualifications happen for next summer. We got to go for it. There's no choice. There's, there's no way. I mean, we've been held inside. You know, the biggest threat from the coronavirus actually is the way we treat each other. It's this whole social distancing model of starting to distance the people from their life. We're afraid of each other. We're afraid to see each other. We're afraid to speak to each other. Right. Um, I, I think that it'll be a very hard task. I can guarantee you that the entire IGF team, the entire government, local workforce, international, national federations, participants, everyone is going to participate to make sure it's a very safe event. Everyone's going to unfortunately have to wear the mask everywhere they go. But we've made some really cool IGF masks for them. <laughs> nice. If you have to wear a mask, why not make a cool judo mask that they can take home? So as far as judo growth, um, you know, I've been following the world of judo in some ways, you know, researching and doing different things. And we, we know the big judo countries. We know whether, you know, Brazil, Japan, Russia, France. But, but what it, we do see is that some of our bigger judo countries, they're, they're struggling with maintaining membership and growing judo. And I know that that's always going to kind of come and go. But, you know, places like Japan are having a hard time attracting judo players. And, you know, France is going to, you know, they haven't seen a lot of growth. They're big, but they haven't seen a lot of growth in recent years. Uh, there's more competition coming. Um, could you share with us maybe some of, I guess, possibly the emerging markets of judo? Where do you see the big growth for judo right now? I think I think 100% you're, you're correct about that, but it's not about judo. It's about everything in life. So the, the reality is that we have less time than we've ever had before. If we try to calculate how much disposable time our grandparents had in 24 hours compared to how much we have, in 24 hours, it's uncomparable. Uh, from the morning to the night, from the moment you wake to the moment you go to sleep, you're on your phone, messaging, texting, watching videos, consuming content. People are fighting for your attention. The attention span today of a person under the age of 18 is seven seconds. Wow. Seven seconds to get your message across. So I, I think that this is this isn't an issue of judo. This is an issue of just globalization, technology, technologyization, if that's even a word. Uh-huh. where we are constantly bombarded for our time and for our eyeballs, especially kids. Right. So, of course, there's less time to, to find time to go to a dojo, get your judo gi, drive down, put it on, warm up, do a great training. And, of course, we feel great after the training is done, all of us. Yeah. But it, it is quite an effort to, to do it. So the, the trick, I think, now is how do we optimize different trainings and how do we optimize the communication message to finding a, a platform for educating the kids to like judo in a fun way? And I think that Ruben August with our Children's Commission is working very well at that. So, I mean, kids that are just doing regular sports, they're learning to jump around, roll around, do gemi, and they think they're doing judo which they are doing judo, of course, right. but it's a great way to, to hook into it. So we've seen a need to radically update all of the teaching standards for kids in order to keep them, to update how far you throw them for, for when you start throwing them, with what you start throwing them, what throws are for kids. So we're doing an entire page now on the IGF called Judo Kids, okay. which will be concentrated on things for kids. So all the videos of all the throws that we're including from the Gokyo will be done by kids from different countries, future Olympians at the 2028 Games. 
Yeah, I think the, one of the, the biggest assets that the IJF has, and that goes back to the, the beginning when you first started working with them, is the digital assets are are huge. I mean, I think I looked at the IJF, and I think, is it something like 75,000 videos you guys have now? Or, or It could be more. I don't know. It depends on how you break it up. Clearly, you guys have invested a good amount of money in the production of this high-quality video. You know, those of us that are judo fans around the world, we benefit from this investment that the IJF's made in the recording and the production and bringing teams of people in to not just get video, but really amazing video. And, um, you know, I think it was last year you guys did the um, 360 cam. How cool was that? You know, that's the kind of thing when you talk about attracting the kids and getting excited. I mean, that was that was huge. Do you have any um, any direction that you see things going, you know, from a social media standpoint? I know the IJF is closing in on like a million likes or something on the uh, Facebook page. And, you know, maybe it's Instagram or maybe it's TikTok. I don't really know. You know, like how, how are we going to reach the, uh, we, we just make a TikTok account for fun just to see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. But so. I remember, I remember Facebook. I, I was the person who made the Facebook page. I was the first like, okay. And in the office, five likes were our people in the next 10 and 20. And it was just the funny, not a joke, but it was the, the start of something. And we always had this in mind that we, we promised ourselves, never post trash. If you're going to prepare a video, you prepare a video that shows our sport in the right light. So series of videos we're doing now, I am judo, which you've seen. And we started that before coronavirus. The idea was in every location of an event to choose the two best men and women athletes and do I am judo with them. So probably you saw Israel. That was the first event in January and Paris and Dusseldorf. And then it cut out because coronavirus hit us. Right. But our, our target is to make compact videos of the highest quality showing the beauty of judo so that the parents when they see that they can understand because the reality is throws are beautiful and the techniques are nice but what makes our sport the most attractive is the people and we have some of the nicest strongest smartest athletes on the planet earth right and that has to be shown and these people in their countries in the u.s it sounds a little bit weird you know to say hey the judo uh, athlete is very famous. I mean, if you talk about Teddy Reiner in France, he walks down the street, he can't walk down the street. The kids are jumping on him. Right. You talk about Ono in Japan. You talk about every every single athlete that's won an Olympic medal from any country is on billboards in their country, full-size billboards. Right. So we're working very hard to show our people, to show the judoka to the public and to show what makes the judoka because... I truly believe that one of the most inspiring things around what I do is to really learn the backstory of how diverse, yet how similar, all of our people are in judo. And one thing I want to add to that is just that we've made a lead time for the technology side. For anyone who wants to see the judo techniques, we've managed to make the full Gokyo online free for all the judo people. Have their all the judo techniques filmed with Kodokan in full HD. And you can see all of the athletes of the World Tour who have done those techniques in competition and where they've done it in competition. Right. Follow. Yeah, I was... And the uh, second thing was Judo Fit. I don't know if you saw Judo Fit. But I saw the Judo Fit in the beginning of COVID, right? That was the idea. We're in COVID. We're home. Let's train. Let's keep it going. So Judo Fit was launched. It's our, our platform we made as the IGF, and it's for the public. And soon we're going to launch a competition for all the kids around the world. Which kid can do which judo fits for kids, made for kids by kids. And they're going to get badges and they're going to get signed cards from Olympic champions that flip over, 14 of them, one per category, from the world championships of the Tokyo uh, World Championships. Very cool. Yeah, I think that digital aspect of, of trying to capitalize or you know even monetize in some ways, possibly, all the assets. Gamification. 
yeah, the gamification, which is the whole thing we'll get to in a few minutes but that I'm sure you can fill us in on. As far as promoting judo to the kids, like I said, I think you guys have done a fabulous job. You know, not just the I am judo, but the judo values videos you guys did. The judo for the world videos were great. I mean, I personally, I share those videos on my own Facebook and I share them with my parents because we talked about a few minutes ago about struggling to find the message and try to find a way to articulate that message of judo's values and the benefits that judo kind of gives us. You guys are doing a lot of the work. I think maybe it's not, you know, maybe some clubs aren't doing a good job of sharing some of the knowledge that the IJF is putting out, but... We, we need help. We're doing our best, but we need help. We need help from the national federations. We need help from the clubs. And we need help from all the judoka around the world because when you share those videos, when you see the Solomon Islands doing judo, you right. know, on, on, no, on nothing, it's just, it's incredible to see. Yeah. So have you guys seen it? I asked you earlier, I don't know if I, uh, if you answered it very clearly or maybe I just missed it, but is there an emerging judo market that I may not be aware of? You know, some of the uh, smaller countries that you're starting to see some good growth? There are very many that have been uh, learning from the judo and schools program. There are very many emerging markets in Africa and Asia, which before had almost no judo that are developing. Right. So it's hard to say one particular because, I mean, if you watch some of the judo from the worlds, if you look at Afghanistan, if you look at some of these Jordan, look at some of these areas where judo is the sport. I can tell you just one one story from my side. I went to Tajikistan uh, before the coronavirus. And if you'll believe it, in Tajikistan, judo is their national sport. They fill football stadiums with judo more than they fill football stadiums with football. Wow. It'll blow your mind. It's incredible to see that. And they even do judo straight on the, on the grass because they don't have tatami all the time. But they have the national championships, which is hundreds of thousands of people on the hillsides watching judo conference. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, when I was in high school, I took a trip to um, Kazakhstan, you know, twice actually, and once into Uzbekistan, um, Ukraine. I did a, a tour of judo and wrestling camps, and um, I literally had a match hillside. Like, I mean, with people on horses standing on the side watching where... I don't even know 100% of what the rule set was that I was doing this grappling slash wrestling and judo event, but it was looking back on all the places that I visited, you know, whether it was Western Europe and this, these, these trips that I took in high school into Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, this is like in the really early 90s, you know, not long after the wall fell. And it was an experience that is like no other. And, and the, the friendships and the things that, you know, when I was told, hey, you're going to go to Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, like I didn't know anything about these places. You know, I was a 16-year-old kid. I knew nothing about this. But the one thing that connected us, like you said earlier, was judo. So we couldn't even really communicate with each other, but we had that bond of judo players. And later on, you know, 10, 15 years later, I was able to make a couple of connections on Facebook with these people that I met on this hillside in Uzbekistan. It was just such an amazing thing that judo provides for people. I think that's what judo does. It unites the world. And, and I think that's another point we have to make sure we can send off to the parents is that judo unites you're going to meet people anywhere you meet a judoka anywhere i meet a judoka we're friends instantaneously a right. lot more than if i meet people who like to jog or who people who like to play soccer judo just has that that bind to take people put them together and create an automatic respect in the next part of the conversation we're going to discuss some of the digital assets that the igf has focused on over the years we're going to talk a little bit more about the Judo in Schools program with the goal of trying to replicate some of the success that we've already seen in our own backyard here in the United States. Vlad will continue to express the ultimate goal of the Judo in Schools program, which is the fundamental development of the youth around the world. We will finish up talking a little bit about Judo going back home to Tokyo for the Olympic Games next summer for the first time since 1964. Judoka around the world are excited. 
the tickets were almost impossible to get. But COVID-19 has now created a reality in which there may not be spectators at the games. Time will tell. We will finish our conversation talking about the intersection of esports and judo. Can we find a way to use esports to educate kids to help them learn the values that they typically learn from traditional sports? And more specifically, how can we use esports to share the benefits of judo to help increase health and well being of kids all around the globe? You know, going back to your digital assets, you guys have done such a super good job of like building this stuff, but it's kind of internal. Do you guys have any uh, plans to maybe optimize it for SEO, like for YouTube searches, that sort of thing to kind of get to more of the general public outside of the judo community? Absolutely. We're working on it at the moment. I can tell you for the YouTube page, we started optimizing it and working with different uh, affiliate channels that can start to promote and push the content that we make across the board. So this is the main target now. The first target was to consolidate and to please our judo family, make sure that our community has all the techniques, that they have what to do at home and stay judo fit, that they have all the champions and the category breakdowns and interesting stories. So our first target was to make sure that our family, that our community has what they need, their fill of judo. Now we've been working with CNN to try to put pieces together for parents to understand, hey, send your kids to judo. It's the best education you can give them progressing to the point the idea of I am judo was to show to the outside what is judo right so we're, we're dedicating more time to finding a way to message the story to the outside judo public in order to attract them say come to us are you judo fit are you strong enough to say that you're judo fit yeah you may be a weightlifter you may be a wrestler you may be a grappler you may be a swimmer but come try some of our judo exercises let's see how many judo push-ups you can do in a minute and right. then you watch Ono doing that alligator push-up. Jesus, he did, he did like 150 <laughs> alligator push-ups in a minute. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I've been watching him and uh, Moriyama climb up those stairs. I don't know where they're at in Japan, but they, they do that stair. Those guys have got some legs. You know, you know, you hide behind the gi. Some people forget what kind of athletes these people are, especially on the IGF. You know, they have these big baggy judo gis on and you don't see the monster muscles that are underneath there. It's, these guys are amazing athletes. So, you know, coming back to, uh, you know, full circle to uh, LA 2028, your, your judo and schools program, we actually have one I kind of wanted to mention. One of my guests on the earlier episode of JudoCast was Anne-Maria DeMars. I'm not sure if you know her. Um, Anne-Maria Burns, she was the first American world judo champion. And she has a very successful uh, school program at a, uh, a middle school in the inner city of LA called Gompers Middle School. And I think that she's somebody that the IJF or even USA Judo, to tell you the truth, should really, you know, link up with to find out like how this thing is successful. She had some, you know, really good input when I spoke with her about, you know, things as simple as graduation rates. If you go into the inner city where people really can benefit the most, you know, if you go to a a wealthy area, you know, the kids oftentimes have, have so much access to great things, you know, but if you take this Judo to the inner city where you can say, look, you know, your graduation rates are 30 or 40% for high school kids. And she has a program where I think she said her graduation rate for the kids in her judo program were 100%. The kids that ended up in her middle school program, 100% of them ended up graduating high school. And I think some large percentage of that ended up going on to college. So having that connection, like you said, with the community, with the government and the power of judo. So I've I've heard of her and actually, we're featuring now the, the Women in Judo campaign for Women's Day that's coming up. Right. So we're concentrating on stories about women in Judo. And some of those pictures, my God, 
it's just incredible. The women in judo are unbelievable. And right. I think it's it's the only combat sport that you can really be proud to be a woman in judo. And you can send your, your daughters to judo. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd send my daughter to get her nose punched in, but I would definitely send her to learn how to throw somebody on their back who's trying to do them harm. Right. And teach them some value. So with her, I, I know of her, I've heard of her. I haven't had the pleasure to meet her yet. It'd be a pleasure to, to catch up with her and to find out how we multiply what she's doing. Because yeah. definitely benefits are huge. Yeah, I would love to make that introduction because I think that someone like her, I just think there's not enough people reaching out to see like we have some success right in our own backyard here and she's been doing really well. And, and, and like you said earlier, she's selling the benefit of creating better people and she's been very successful. So if we can replicate that on a large scale, you know, maybe those kids, you know, from the inner city, they're not going to be the ones that end up making the IJF tour. You know, there's obviously huge expenses, but you know, this is a long-term plan and judo is for life. You know, like it, those kids are going to end up putting their children in judo in, in 20 years. And that's how we kind of keep this circle going. So, you know, to me, that's the goal. And I think that that's the goal also just of, of judo in general. The goal, I don't think, is to be on the world judo tour. Of course, the professional strong people mentally, physically with stamina who are the best in the world are going to compete. And it's great to have that elite performance. But I, I really believe that the benefits of judo are for every kid who's ever put on a gi. Even if they've made it to the yellow belt, that will stay with them for life. You brought up France a second before. France has 650,000 members licensed and active paying today on tatami. Wow. And in their community, in their community, one in three French people has done judo at one point in their life. It, it's hard to imagine those numbers, you know, here in California, we have probably the, I don't know what the population of France is, but it's probably, you know, not <laughs> 60 million around 60 million. So I think we've got 40 or 50 million people just in California. And, you know, as far as registered number of people in the United States, judo, I'm almost embarrassed to say on this podcast, but, you know, I think that the number of people doing judo in America is probably closer to 20 or 30,000, you know, that's not even all registered. So we definitely have our work cut out. That's something we have to definitely put up, and there's a way to push it up. So the way the French did it is they made it required in schools. So pretty much every French person who went to high school did judo. Not by choice. There was no choice. You right. had to do judo in school. And that's that's something that I think, especially if we work with programs that have to work to prove that graduation, to prove that benefit, I mean, why wouldn't the school district, why wouldn't the CIF start to instill general judo practice, even if not for the performance part, just for general education. Yeah. This is, I think, the way to make sure we have those numbers and we have that base. Because from that base, when you have when you have 100,000 people doing judo in California from not-so-well neighborhoods, I'm sure you'll find three or four that are going to be unbelievable right. at it. Yeah, I think uh, in the United States, the only place that really has any success or any, any model, at least, is uh, Hawaii. Hawaii actually has a uh, high school judo program that's pretty successful. You know, in Hawaii, I think in Oahu, there's only a million people live in Oahu. And I think they, you know, have four or five, 600 judo players in those high schools, which is it, it for uh, Americans. You know why I'm laughing? Sorry. I, I'm laughing because just two days ago, I had the statistics. I get the statistics on our social media platforms, website views, you know, because we try to optimize the judo right. efficiency, right? Do the most with the least. So, while trying to optimize and understand how we can better target the United States, I saw Hawaii as the number one hit area on the platforms. And I was thinking, how is that possible? I mean, there's something we're missing there. And you just you clarified that for me. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's a, 
There's a big Japanese, uh, you know, influence in Hawaii, obviously, and then the high school programs. And, and like you said earlier, it's not everybody's trying to be a champion. I think there's, you know, some small percentage of those people actually do judo year round. But like I said, they have five or 600 people, I believe, that come in for their three or four month judo program, similar to a high school wrestling program. And it's huge for promoting judo in Hawaii, I'm sure. So um, you've done a, a fabulous job of kind of getting this out and articulating the benefits of judo. I think that that's what we all need to practice and we all need to learn uh, a better ways of selling the sport of judo. And it's not really a sales pitch in a, in a negative way. Some people get turned off when you call it a sales pitch, but you know, people like me that have done judo my whole life, I can sit here and tell you all the benefits that I've gained from judo, the friendships around the world. And we, even though we all have those experiences, we just don't get them across as well. And I think that we definitely need to improve on that. So I, I really thank you for, uh, you know, doing what you're doing. And, and I, I hope to see a lot of big things for judo in the coming years. I mean, I'm, we're all super excited about next year. We got postponed, but the Olympics are coming up next year. And I hope that judo coming back to its homeland in, in Tokyo is going to be big. Is there anything, uh, on the horizon that you guys are doing in Japan to, uh, really make this thing explode? Anything you can share with us? I mean, to tell you, honestly, judo's going home. We're, we're publicizing it to the rest of the Olympic sports saying, welcome to our house. So it's, uh, it's quite impressive after 1964 Olympic Games when judo was there in the first time in the Olympics and the first time in Japan to go back to Japan with the Tokyo Games. I can tell you, unfortunately, with the coronavirus, there may not be spectators. But before that, judo was the number one most demanded sport. The tickets were sold out before they were even public. Um, the interesting thing is that we're actually in the same venue. So we will be in the exact same venue as judo was in 1964, which is the eternal or the, the heart of where judo comes from. And I think that being there, being on location, will truly inspire all of the athletes that have learned about this culture. And one more exciting thing that I can promise to everyone who's listening is that our full media team will be there on social media, posting pictures, posting stories, following the athletes behind the scenes, preparing the lineups, preparing the matchups. So a lot will follow. We're going to try to provide as much media as possible leading up to the games, as well as during the games itself. Give the, the spectators and the fans and the judo family at home all the content that it could possibly want. It's super exciting. And then I think like uh, you mentioned earlier, the possibility of TikTok. I'm not a TikTok guy, uh, but it seems like uh, it <laughs> seems like uh, a lot of the youngsters, that's where they're at. And we're always trying to find ways to reach the young kids. And, you know, social media is uh, love it or hate it. It's, it's a good way to get judo to the masses, especially to the young people. So it's exciting to see that you guys are putting your full effort, you know, as a team and, and you're going to be there to, you know, showcase our amazing sport to the world. I tell you, I feel the same thing as, as I felt when we first launched the Instagram page or the Facebook page, to even say even earlier back than that. It's uh, the next platform and we have to engage with the kids. We have to show them the beauty of judo. And not just that, we have to show them the athletes and what amazing people they are behind, how strong they are. You know, we spoke about that, how the judo athletes you see, they're wearing the judo gis usually in competition. We're trying to show as much footage as possible of how they're beasts in the, in the gym, how they're the most elite athletes. So what a lot of people may not know is that you have some other experience that uh, could probably give you the insight and obviously um, a, a lot of assistance in trying to reach this younger generation. So you also hold the position of the president of the International Esports Federation. So for some of us, uh, a lot of our listeners that may not even know that this is a thing, but could you tell us, you know, what do you do with esports? You know, I guess to be honest with you, like, what is esports? 
I got to tell you, so judo is my heart, and it's where I built myself and what's made me who I am today. And esports is my passion. I want to give some of that back. So basically, esports is playing digital games at a competitive level. And we know we, all the parents are doing this. They're teaching their kids that the device, the phone, the game, is a reward for a certain activity, whether that is to be quiet at the dinner table, whether that is to get good grades, or whether that is to clean the room. And what I'd like to do with the International Esports Federation is find ways of utilizing games and passion for games to motivate kids to be healthy, to do sport, to move, and to socialize, and to educate them for physical competencies, to educate them for nutrition, and to really find a way to give them that other aspect that physical sport gives you and motivate them to move. And I can tell you, for example, our world championship is taking place in Elat in Israel uh, next year because of the coronavirus. I plan on taking all of the participants for a judo session on the tatami with the Israeli Judo Federation to give them their judo gis and to have them roll around and, and find that. Because I truly believe that the elements of judo are very applicable to the life of the esport gamers. And that's something that, that I try to do. So I think what the advantage uh, or the interesting point is that with judo, we're constantly trying to attract new members, right? We're, we're, no matter where you are in the world, the idea is to try to gain membership and try to spread judo around the world. But with esports, you kind of have a different aspect because I think the people are already there, right? Like, you know, millions and millions of kids are exactly. already playing games online. 700 million kids live every day playing online games. Esport is the only international federation where the objective is not to attract more kids to play games. It's to teach games and to teach kids to game responsibly. Now, how do we do that with education? So I think it's a perfect yin-yang balance between sports and virtual sports or digital sports or esports that they can le learn from each other and go hand in hand for really contributing to making better humans and healthier kids who have better lives. Obviously, you've thought about this and the connection that your esport world and judo can collide in like a very positive way to where judo can help esports. And then at some point, esports could hopefully help judo grow to a, a new level as well. 100%. That was the whole basis for the judo fit. The judo fit came from how can people do fitness exercises at home to be judo fit? So how do we compete against each other in a virtual way while getting better physically fit? And of course, mentally fit in the same thing. And that's something that I truly believe in. I really would love to give to every single child in this world who plays games the love and the passion and the education that comes with doing traditional sports. And when you add the values of judo, because judo is not just a sport, it's an educational sport. When you add the educational aspect of what judo teaches, I think we're going to have a better future. Well, I'll tell you what, Vlad, I mean, it's been a special uh, time to talk with you and it sounds like your head is in the right position and that's not by luck. I'm sure Mr. Vizer, you know, brought you in for the right reasons, but, uh, you know, spreading Dr. Jigoro Kano's methods and, and the, the whole aspect of, you know, creating better people around the world is what judo is all about. And I think you're the, the right guy to help spread that message. And I really appreciate, you know, your time today and I'm super excited for the future of judo. And if there's anything that, you know, we can do or me specifically here in the United States, I would love to be uh, play a part in any role that could could help do big things for judo. So I, I definitely appreciate your time today. And I'm looking forward to big things in the future for our sport, combining it with esports and continuing to create better people around the world. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for the time. and Thank you for everything you're doing. And I, I will definitely, definitely look forward to our collaboration to make sure we feel with Team USA in 2028. That can be fully supported by the country and also have results. All right. 
Thank you very much, Vlad. Appreciate you spending the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Thank Vlad. you. All the best. Take Talk care. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to JudoCast. Please remember to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. For show notes and additional content, visit judocast.com. That's J-U-D-O-Cast.com.